This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Welcome to What's Up, Doc? A medical podcast brought to you by Decatur Orthopedic Center and featuring Dr. Sams, Dr. Sullivan, and Newhoff Media's Luke Hiley. This is episode number two of What's Up, Doc? Um, a new medical podcast here with the uh, surgeons at Decatur Orthopedic Center in Mount Zion. I'm here again on the sixth floor of the Millican building with uh, Dr. Sams and Dr. Sullivan. How are you guys doing? Great. How was your week? It was a good week. Excellent week. Good, good. Glad to hear it. Um, before we uh, before we came on air here, uh, Dr. Sams and I were chatting about an interesting um, encounter he had this week with a professional golfer over at the Memorial Health Championship Pro-Am over at uh, Panther Creek Country Club in Springfield. Dr. Sams, what was that all about? Well, I was had the, I had the fortune to play in the uh, Pro-Am, and this is my second year doing that. And this year, we were, uh, I was paired up with um, Boo Weekly, uh, who was a, a previous PGA Tour player. He's now on the Corn Ferry, and he's almost uh, to be on the... Uh, uh, senior PGA tour. And so we're sitting there talking and, and we're on the tee and, you know, it's, it's always fun to meet new people, especially on the golf course. But, you know, we're talking, he says, what do you guys do? And one of the other gentlemen says, Oh, he's a hip and knee uh, doctor. And he, and immediately uh, boo weekly, like just became excited. And he goes, I got my hip done last year. It's great. And he goes, you know, I'm back, you know, he's playing professional golf. And he's back, and he he tells me uh, where he got it done down in Florida, and 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 lo and behold, it was what was really neat was that he had it done by a surgeon who trained with Dr. Sullivan and I in Springfield at SIU, um, know him very very well. So it's it's obviously a small world um, in, in orthopedics, but that was a really cool connection. So you know to see him visibly uh, excited about his hip, he's now back at one year after surgery. And he's hitting the ball like crazy. I mean, it was interesting. Him, he and his caddy, they they play from a different set of tees, um, the professional tees. And he's you know talking to his caddy. He says, "How long does it take to, or how far does it clear that bunker?" And he's like, 270 yards." And he smokes it right over the bunkers, par five. And I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" And he just hits the ball. Um, so effortlessly, but it was exciting to see a guy knowing that he has what Dr. Sullivan and I do a lot of and showing that he can play at a very high level. It was, it was a really fun connection to make with him um, and, and to see him perform at that level. Did you hit any good shots over there? I hit a couple good ones. I also hit a couple really bad ones too. That's about how it goes, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? How old is how old is Boo Weekly? So Boo is uh, just uh, shy of fifty. He's forty nine, and and in a few months, and and at fifty, he can uh, play on the senior PGA tours. So he's, I think, getting geared up to do that. And he was an outstanding person. It was so fun to get to to meet him. He really is as nice as they could possibly be. And this, you know, this actually points out some stuff. Um, that's worth talking about. 49 years old, you know, hip replacement. Joint replacement used to be one of these things in the earliest stages of it. It was like, you, there's no other choice. You, you can't get out of a wheelchair. You know, you, that's what, that's how they were originally developed. Now, you know, we see a guy, I don't Dr. Sams and I might argue about whether or not golf is an actual sport. I'll give him... <laughs> 
I'll give him basketball. But I, football and mixed martial arts are sports to me. <laughs> but whatever the case, here's an athlete, right? A young guy, a professional athlete, hip replacement. It was an unthinkable thing before. And we want people to know that those days of like suffering to the point of, you know, debilitating, bed bound, that's not what joint replacement is now. Joint replacement is now, is is it affecting your life? Have other things not worked? Do it. And um, I'll tell you, too, this also another thing worth talking about. We're talking about hip replacements. I want to put this out there before we talk more about joint replacements in general. Hip replacements are one of those things where to orthopedic surgeons, it's like a big reward to us because it's unbelievable how well people do. Now we will admit to you that knee replacements are a little bit of a fight. Rotator cuff repairs, you got some work to do to get over them and you got, you know, but that's our job to counsel you and get you uh, well educated on all that stuff. Hip replacements are one of those things where, yeah, there's some surgery pain. There's some pain from getting kind of, let's call it what it is, a little bit beat up in the operating room. You get over that in the matter of days or weeks. A lot of people are standing up in the recovery room going, I can't believe this. So um, that's not, you know, blowing smoke there. It's it's an incredible operation. And to, to Dr. Sullivan's point, that's not really just his opinion. That's bore out in the medical literature where they have different measures to see how effective a surgery is comparative. And so you can compare a open heart bypass with a hip replacement, right? Mm-hmm. Some of you would say those are not comparable to actually you can in terms of your quality of life and your quality ad- adjusted life years of what do you get for that? And, and so this is not an opinion based statement. Hip replacement is one of the, if not the most successful surgery ever created. It improves the quality of life for that patient more than anything else in all of medicine. So it's kind of an interesting stat when you look at it that way, but it really is one of those where it's a, it's a complete game changer for the patient. So go, uh, how do you know how recently boo had his hip replacement? I, I think it was last year. I don't know exactly the time frame of mm-hmm. it. And, you know, uh, for him, and I think like others, you know, I would expect him to have been back hitting golf balls within six weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're going to play at his level, I think that there's obviously he's more in tune with his swing than maybe the average weekend golfer. But, you know, if you get back to playing the game that a lot of us love uh, in six weeks, that's a really good investment, you know, in terms of you're not missing a whole summer mm-hmm. or you're not missing a, a, a big chunk of time. But, you know, for him, it was interesting. As I said, it took him just a little bit to get his distance back. And I mm-hmm. think he got it back because he was hitting the ball really, really far um, without a whole lot of effort. But it really is something that uh, people can get back to doing activities, not only golf, whether it be bicycling, walking, whatever. They can get back to it really fast. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one thing that gets overlooked a little bit on a golf course is not only is he out there playing golf, but those guys don't get golf carts outside of major medical exemptions. You know, he's walking golf courses seven, eight miles for five days in a row, and that's coming off of a a total hip replacement. And that's uh, I think that goes a lot to the goes to talk a lot to the recovery to the recovery process. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm not a 
you'll notice the more we talk that I'm, I'm a guy that's full of disclaimers. One of the things I like to say is you should run like heck from any surgeon that makes you a promise, you know? Mm-hmm. So we don't want to also come across that there's nothing to, like you get your hip replacement, you just stand up and go, you know, there's people who have such horrible hips that they got to fight to get their range of motion and their muscles back. There's people that, of course, also have a low back problem on top of it. So, you know, these it's still a major surgery. There's still plenty to it. There's still other things that go along with it. But the, the main point we want to make is, yeah, um, you, you can get back to normal life. There's no promises with it. But normal life, good life, better life than before the hip replacement. Mm-hmm. You know, so Boo Weekly's probably, his game was probably suffering because of it. And then after so many weeks and months of rehab, he's hitting the ball further. So go ahead. One of the things I wanted to to hit back on that Dr. Sullivan um, and I see all the time, and he kind of mentioned it earlier, patients will literally, and it is an expectation that the hip pain that they have, and hip pain is typically located more in the groin. You know, sometimes people think it's more located posteriorly. That may be more coming from the lumbar spine. But when you do a hip replacement, they wake up in the recovery and the pain's gone. And it's one of those things, it's, we're told it over and over. We see them usually in the recovery or, or shortly thereafter on the floor, and they're like, it's gone. It's a miracle. It's, it's fantastic. It's whatever. Oh, yeah, I've got a little bit of discomfort, but it's not what I had before. And so it's always, it's that obvious, it's that black and white when you get somebody that's, that knows what they've been living with for years, and all of a sudden it's gone. And, man, it can be, frankly, emotional for them. Mm-hmm. So what go into the go into the the technical aspects of what is a what is a hip replacement? You know, what what's the process look like? The surgery itself. Surgery itself. So there is uh, uh, there's a lot out there. I think one thing to cover right now is anterior versus posterior approach. We get a lot of talk about that. And that's doctor talk for going in the front, going in the back. Now, um, there are all kinds of reported benefits to uh, either of them. And I think, correct me anytime here, Dr. Sams, um, because Dr. Sams does the anterior approach sometimes. I do the posterior approach on pretty much, uh, not pretty much. I do the posterior approach all the time. There, I'd say the, the biggest thing between the two is the anterior approach the going through the front. There's reasons you can't do it sometimes, although it's excellent for that person who gets it, you know? And from my standpoint, I go do the posterior approach and to me, it works every time. And I think we could sit here, probably talk for hours about the two different things and the, you know, the pros and cons, but whatever you do, do it well. And so what it turns out that benefits of, of either one um, are usually benefits for inexperienced surgeons. So for Dr. Sams, in his mind, he's like, this is perfect anterior for this patient. This is perfect posterior for this patient. And he's an expert in both. And he does a ton of both. So he's going to do great with me. It's always posterior, and I'm an expert at that. And any of the problems that are reported with either of those, 
are not problems in the hands of an experienced surgeon. Is that a good uh, way to put it? I completely agree. I, I don't think that there's only one approach. And, and if you were going to pick one, the posterior approach is fantastic. I, I think of it as uh, a little bit of demand matching. Um, and that's, you know, uh, another, another way to say that is one size doesn't fit all when it comes to hip implants. I think that some people think that about orthopedics and joint replacement in general. I'm going to get a small, medium, or large, and that's not what it is at all. And so when you start looking at the bone morphology, right, there are some lineages, there's some genetics out there. People are big bones. Some people are not. And I don't care about how the soft tissue size. And so certain things like that go into effect, are going to affect the, the surgical approach, the overall exposure, how easy it is, your risk of fracture. And, and I think Dr. Sullivan and I both have the algorithm of what is going to give the patient the best outcome with the lowest risk. And I think that um, both of them are, are excellent choices. So the how you get there um, is, is important, but how you do it well is, is the most important. Um, but I think that if you were to talk about what hip replacement is, I use this analogy a lot. Hip replacement and let's say joint replacement in general could almost be considered like you've worn the tires of your car to where they're bald. And joint replacement is effectively changing the tires. You're going to go in there and a hip replacement, we're going to remove the ball because that ball is what should be covered in cartilage. And at the time of a joint replacement for say a hip replacement, you're going to have no tread left on the tire. Now, that speaks to why at some point, you know, you say injections or, you know, have somebody come in and say, well, why don't you have a pill that I can take that just makes it go away? Well, I would use that same analogy. Is there any additive that you can put in your gas tank of your vehicle that's going to regrow tread on your tires? No. And usually people are like, oh, I guess that kind of makes sense. So the point is, is when you get to that point where our medicines can't take care of the symptoms, then you do something to change the tires and we're going to go in there and we're going to remove that ball and the lack of cartilage. And we're going to put a new socket in there with a nice, beautiful liner. We're going to put a ball on there. And as we do that, it's, you know, for both of us, it's less than an hour. You go home the same day. The muscle damage is minimal and people get up and go, Oh my gosh, I feel better. But that analogy of getting a new set of tires is, is very, close to conceptually what you think about with the joint replacement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and back to your initial question because, you know, we can we can keep going on and on with this and geeking out about it, but the answer to your question is technically however you get in there, however you open the hip, whatever approach you take, you're cutting off that ball off the top of the femur, you're putting a stem into the femur, your sounds gross. You're grinding out that old diseased cup and then tapping a metal cup into it. You're putting some form of a liner into that cup. Does the liner act as the cartilage? Yes. So they, what what's actually replaced is that that bearing surface. So that liner goes in there, what, what used to be the cartilage. That's kind of like the cartilage surface. And then the ball that we put on there, it used to be that femoral head. Big word, right? I guess I'm trying not to use the big words. I don't sometimes know when I'm using the big words. But that ball is the new femoral head. And that ball meeting with the liner is the replacement of that wear surface. And then, you know, there's 
different kinds you could use. You could use a metal liner and then a ball within a ball, plastic, ceramic. There's different, you know, you could continue to talk about this, but the, the bottom line is that new wear surfaces, that new liner meeting with the ball, all the other stuff, the stem and the cup, that's basically the support, you know, for that new wear surface. Is there ever a situation where the wear surface wears down? A lot of wears there. But um, do people have recurring hip replacements or need for, uh, I guess, maintenance on a hip replacement surgery? Yes, there is. You know, and I'll tell you, so we haven't talked much about this. I am a revision surgeon. I do redos. That's kind of what my specialty is. It's not to sit here and say I'm, you know, better than anyone. It's just what I'm trained in. That's what I like to do. That's what I've always done. So let me, let me jump in just for a second. He is the area's best. Like people from all over the state, if not the Midwest come to Dr. Sullivan because they either have a wear problem an instability problem. They have a problem. And this gentleman will absolutely take on the biggest and the worst. And where other people would say, I don't think that's possible. I'm as a proud partner. I think you can tell I'm saying, no, he does it. Mm-hmm. He does it. So when he says he's a revision surgeon, he does it all. And it's, it's really impressive. Well, I, Thank you for saying that, Dr. Sams. I appreciate that. Um, we do pride ourselves in that. We came out of the box saying we want to take care of everything. The nature of what I do, kind of, it's built into that. I will say, too, though, Dr. Sams is is kind of, you know, touting me here. Dr. Sams, in the same respect, he might not be a revision specialist, although he could do a revision about as good as any revision specialist. Dr. Sams as well takes on and does some of these cases that, you know, you would otherwise be going to Mayo or you need to go to L.A. or New York. I mean, Dr. Sams did a case recently with a shoulder where he used an allograft, which is basically a donor piece of bone, which was from the ankle and reconstructed the socket of the shoulder so that he could rebuild the shoulder. I mean, that's really simplifying stuff, but you don't see that. You don't see that anywhere. You don't see that in the even in the biggest centers. Those are things that, you know, they need that one guy to do it. You know, when it comes to certain things and, and trauma surgery and fractures, much in the same way with revisions, Dr. Sams has those areas where he's quite impressive, better than just about anyone. Together, we, we pride ourselves and we want to be able to take care of everything here that the medical community can support. Mm-hmm. Um, so sorry, uh, got a little bit, uh, on, on a tangent. So what, what, uh, what ends up, what ends up being the need for revisions? Yeah, so How re- often are revisions necessary? Yeah. Revisions are, they are, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, numbers are difficult. I would say, let's just leave the numbers out of it and say they are uncommon, Right. In general. Now people, and I think the best way to answer this is people say when I'm telling them they're going to get a knee replacement, shoulder replacement, hey, how long is this going to, that's a fair question. They want to know. And without getting too much into the science, this is generally my answers. Low to mid 70% chance you're going to have this thing in 25 years. 
Now, that is the boiling down of all kinds of science and doctor babble. But the bottom line is, you know, those percentages for that period of time is pretty fair. Now, the thing I like to make sure people know to wrap your head around this is in order for us to get those numbers and that time frame, those are on joint replacements done 25 or 30 years ago. And if we're pouring billions of dollars of effort and research and development every year in these companies, implant companies, the engineering and the designs are absolute marvels. So this is my way of saying, I want the ones I'm putting in to be lasting 30 35, 40 years, you know, those 73 to 75% chances um, of lasting that long. I want that time frame longer, and I think that is very reasonable to be expecting that. But when do you know? When the science comes out in 30 years. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, you know, we have to just rely on the fact that we are making, we're doing incredible surgeries with incredible materials and engineering. Um. But for, for as far as a hip replacement, if I can uh, ask a question, what's the what's the most re, most common reason you do a hip revision? Yeah, and the the most common is is infection. So this is a good this is a like a a good kind of if you want to talk about revisions, that's that's the perfect you know. Hey, why would I ever need it need it redone? Infection is the first answer, right? And um, maybe we'll get into the treatment of infections. That's probably maybe a whole nother episode or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's a, a bunch to be done there. Bottom line is, you you know, Dr. Sams will, will treat an infection just as well. I think you need a revision surgeon or you want a revision surgeon, basically when it's really gotten out of hand, when things have to come out, when you need multiple surgeries, when the reconstruction is massive. So the number one reason is infection. Second reason would be, loosening, like not infection, we call it aseptic loosening. So when it's basically coming loose and it's not due to infection, we call that aseptic loosening. That's a very common reason. And then back to what you originally asked, we're seeing this less and less because again, the materials, the engineering is so excellent. It used to be that a very common reason was like, for example, that plastic liner would completely wear out mm -hmm. or that ball, you know, that metal ball would be grinding its way against a, an exposed metal cup, you know, those kind of things. But we don't see that much anymore because these plastics, like for example, most common thing that Dr. Sams and I will put in for, you know, that wear surface is ceramic on polyethylene. So basically this very hard material on a piece of plastic and the wear properties are now like metal the way it's, it's engineered. It's just, um, again, I don't want to geek too much out into the details. You tell me how far to go with that, but I can just tell you the wear properties. It doesn't wear out mm -hmm. like the joint replacements put in two decades ago. Yeah, I think the thing that's really interesting is so the this is like the fourth or fifth generation of ceramics for, for hip replacements. And the ceramics, you know, some people think of in the first generation was like a ceramic pot where it had some uh, fragility. And so they have these case reports. And this is be honestly before he and I were even in training. So we're talking about 15, 20 years ago. And they now, so the ceramic heads are made um, extremely well. They took a long drive 
uh, golf long drive champion took the ceramic head, put it on golf tee, hit it, then in the driver. Didn't do anything to the head, right? So that's like, wow, I can't, I mean, I don't think I'll ever put that much force in such a small time frame against mm-hmm. that. The materials, as he's saying, are so good that that's why we can now get that 30, 35, you know, they put these things in a simulator, we're getting crazy amounts of longevity. And that's why, again, if you go back to, uh, we started this episode with Boo Weekly. Boo Weekly, he's 49. okay. He's going to be 79, 89 when that hip may need to be revised. Um, I think I'm not speaking for him. I think I can speak for some of my other patients, the decisions that they've made. You ask yourself, which year is more important to him or to, to you? 49 to 50 or 79 to 80 or 89 to 90? That's something that everybody has to answer for themselves, but I think we generally tend to think that our younger years may be more impactful than the ones where we're not guaranteed. And that commercial, then they hit, they smacked that sucker like 300 yards too, didn't they? Oh yeah. It's a cool But it, it dented the driver, completely yeah. just put it in there. And it's like, that was, that's a good, uh, like it's a good test video. Mm-hmm. So it is very reasonable. If you think about this, to use Boo Weekly again as an example, as long as we're putting the joint in, in proper alignment and, you know, it's got good, tissue tension, everything, you know, what if those old implants that used to go in that wear, they would, that would wear out improperly. That could have been the beginning of every other thing that happened. So that debris causes the bone to get eaten away. Then it gets loose. That um, debris can lead to an infection 15 years down the line, all of that stuff. Well, if we correct that one thing, which is the materials, it is very reasonable that Boo Weekly, he's getting it at 49. It's reasonable to me to think that he may never need a revision. Mm-hmm. He might, I mean, that's how good these materials are that we're using. And if that's the kind of the, the rate limiting factor there that everything else goes wrong because the materials weren't so great, it's, it's, it's a different era, different generation now. Mm-hmm. So what does, you know, not necessarily for Boo Weekly, but you can use his, him as an example, but even just your average person, what is what is a, the rehab uh, timeline and progression look like uh, from a hip replacement? Uh, very, very succinctly, go home the same day. You know, we have some home therapy that we do uh, for a couple weeks, and then it literally is return to life, you know, depending on what you do. Um, but in most cases, it's like, do more, right? Walk a little bit farther every day, get on your bicycle, get back to playing golf. Like I said, I usually get my golfing patients back to after three weeks. And I say, let's go to the, you know, start some chipping, some short wedges that let's progress through the bag up to the driver, maybe drivers most closer to five weeks. But most people, I mean, I can tell you story after story of people that are, you know, three, four, five weeks out, they're back to ice skating. They're back to, you know, doing some stuff. I'm like, well, I didn't really know that we we're going to go after that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I had one gentleman here locally that was like, hey, how quickly can I go back to ski jumping? I was like, 
excuse me? Uh, that one made me pretty nervous. I was honestly one of those. I was like, yeah, we're not there yet. We're not there, but you know, people want to live back to life and I want to help them do that. So the recovery is a matter of weeks, not months. And then after that, you're going to say, yes, it keeps getting better. I'm going to say three months, six months out is better than it was at three weeks out. And that's partly confidence, partly just muscles returning. Cause you know, a lot of people we have, uh, will have limited motion. Well, that limited motion is because of the the bone spurs that develop, and we obviously get rid of all of that, but the muscles haven't moved in a long time. Just imagine if we sit in a car, so you sit in a car for eight hours and you get real. Well, imagine if your hip hasn't been in a certain position for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So those muscles stretch back out. We got to get that motion restored. And that's why sometimes it can take, you know, a little bit, or they see that continued improvement through those first several months. But in terms of a, hey, green light to get back to life, weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the, I like to point out the differences in the surgeries. Again, I said early on the hip replacements, um, you know, just unbelievable. Stand up and some people stand up in the recovery room. Knee replacements more of a, a fight. But, and it's funny too, the, if I have any patients of mine listening to it, they're like, he says the exact same thing in clinic, you know, but I think broadly with a joint replacement of pretty much any kind, you're going to get rapidly better by the day in the early days and weeks. Um, Through the first few follow-ups, it's going to be one of these things where if, for example, knees, they're not fun. You might not be having a fun time, but you're getting better and better very quickly for the first couple follow-ups. And I always warn this to patients. I like expectations. I think that's Dr. Sams and I, if there's anything we learned, you have to make sure people expect things properly. If they, Because if they are not going according to their expectations, then they just view that as unsatisfactory. So I tell people that rapid improvement for the first weeks, months, that kind of changes trajectory after a while, and it's a slower improvement. And I think, Dr. Sams, you think you agree with this. We've talked about this before. Everyone kind of quote unquote gets used to a joint replacement over the course of a year. You know, so you're going to have a a noise and you're going to be worried about it. And we're going to go, don't worry about that. That's normal. And you're going to say, it feels fine going upstairs, but weird going downstairs. Don't worry about that. That's going to come around. Fine going downstairs, but upstairs, uneven ground. Those are things where your brain, your spinal cord, your reflex arcs are incorporating this thing into your body. I always tell people, you know, that knee, you've had that since you were an embryo. It's going to take a minute for your body to reincorporate it and get used to it. That course of improvement is after the early post-surgery stuff It throughout the year. You agree? Yeah, absolutely. So you get you get used to it, but it doesn't. And I, and our patients and patients who are people with joint places, they don't have to wait a year to like it, right? They may say, "Yes, it's not the one that God gave me," but in terms of satisfaction, they are satisfied. It just they think about it less and less through that year, and and the differences between hips and knees are are there. But it's it's something that they can be very satisfied in in that in those weeks. And some people too, they'll surprise you. It doesn't take the year like Dr. Sam's is getting. That's, I think, the point there is like some people are just two and mo- two months are like 100%. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is great. Um, 
but you have that, you know, that that period of time to get used to it's all fair game. Yeah, really, gosh, really interesting stuff. It's amazing. And I know I'm no medical expert, but clearly the uh, the advancements in in medicine um, just I'm, I'm sure make hip replacements not as scary for for patients as they used to be. Yeah, I think that and, and you get a bunch of people walking around saying this is great. You should do it. And then and, and people are going to find that support. Uh, amongst their 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 family and friends, and and because it, it is so common now, where people are out there with it, right? The Boo Weekly is not the only one, mm-hmm. right? It's just a a recent story of how I connected with a guy, really through just his love of his hip replacement. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, thanks for being in here again today. Glad to knock out another episode, and uh, we'll be back real soon with episode three. Maybe dig into some smart knee replacements. Sounds great. Yep. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.